Welcome to another week of the Soccer Thread Podcast. I'm Dan Schrader. Uh, I'm in Portland, Oregon. It's a Sunday evening. Uh, we are missing one Ryan Palmer. We are missing one Michael Samuelson. Um, but we got a crew here. We got a crew. Uh, the huge Colin Smith is in Swampscott, Massachusetts. I am in Swampscott, Massachusetts. It was a great day today. Uh, went to the beach. Also had the first ice cream cone of the season. Uh, when you go to your like seasonal ice cream places and they've opened up for the year and you sit outside, I mean, yeah, I guess you sit outside now because coronavirus or whatever, but, uh, that's a really good day. And it was today for me. And so, uh, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling great. It's a, it's a late night pod. I'm a little liquored up. I'm going to get more liquored up. So let's do this. Let's play. And filling the space of two men is <laughs> Keevan in Daddy. Milwaukee. All right, I'm excited. I watched a uh, lot of soccer this weekend, and usually I'm pretty bummed during FA Cup weekends because I don't have ESPN Plus and I'm too lazy to find a stream. So being able to actually watch soccer without um, going to weird websites and some EPL is, uh, is exciting. That's, oh man, is that depressing my life? What this has got to? Just if it's not on basic cable, yeah. you just get sad. Yep. Um, I do not have an intro. Uh, any anyone got anything to get us warmed up here? I I don't. I wish I did. I don't. Nothing. Nothing. We could just talk about like running watches. That would be of general <laughs> interest, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Talk about uh, your your incident today. Chinchilla on that probably. No, chinchilla. Chinchilla. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, all right, well, there you go. Good thing we got a lot of emails then. Colin, without Mike here, you are the de facto uh, email guru. Get right. us there. I'm fake Mike today. Uh, our first email is from Vincent Orozco. Fucking love that Vincent is becoming a prolific emailer, just like his brother. Um, I, I, can't, I can't even interpret his title as punctuation, disappointment, nickname, uh, which is fantastic. He says, sorry for the poor, poor punctuation in my last email. My mother, who is a school teacher, will be very disappointed. Speaking of disappointment, the movie Twins ruined my name and got Ray his nickname. As you can probably tell in the last email, Ray is a much superior athlete than I was. While he was dominating me in one-on-ones, he will quote from the movie in the best Arnold Schwarzenegger voice. <laughs> I can't even do it. Vincent, Vincent, I'm your brother Julius. Question for you guys. How did you come up with your guys' nicknames, if any, if you have any? Uh, or any of your players. Uh, P.S. Don't bring up the poor grammar in this email. Of course, I'm going to do that. You can't, like, just for the listeners, you can't tell us what to include or not include in your emails. Uh, But uh, beautiful stuff from Vincent. Um, I love that you're referencing your mother in this extensively, and I do hope that we'll be able to get a pint to drink uh, next time I'm in Milwaukee. Uh, Hopefully we'll be soon. Get vaccinated, everyone. Uh, Dan, I don't, you're not really a person who I think of as having nicknames. I don't have a good nickname for you. Do you have good nicknames for other people you've played with? I know one of them, uh, who recent text volcanoes has a good nickname, but, uh, that's, I mean, that, I think that's the best nickname. The nickname that stuck is a guy I played with in college, uh, who we call goose or the goose. Um, 
I think that came about for a variety of reasons. There was a bit of a tradition on the college team of naming people after um, birds. It kind of started with a guy from New Zealand who we just called Kiwi, which is a Kiwi word, but also a nickname just for people from New Zealand. So there was Kiwi, but that kind of led to like nicknames around birds. And then um, my buddy Goose showed up freshman year and he runs with his elbows. He's, got, he's a chicken runner, right? Yeah, yeah. No, um, that's tight. And I'm not sure if like naturally he's a chicken runner or if that was just his soccer. Like if you try to come take the ball off, yeah, me, you're going to catch an elbow. That's a soccer thing yeah. for sure. If you, can, um, if you can spot joggers where if they have their elbows out, you know that they most likely played soccer. <laughs> yeah, They're still protecting their space. Like you, you can come try to kick me as I'm jogging down the sidewalk, but you're going to take an elbow in the ribs. It's going to hurt. Yeah. Uh, so that's Goose. That's really the nickname I know of. Um, Mike Samuelson, back in college, I called Sammy. Uh, but that hasn't really stuck. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of names, nicknames like that. I feel like that is obviously the most common nickname type, and I'm just going to throw them all out. Just all those get thrown out. Like the, uh, if your name is, like the English equivalent is calling everyone uh, Waza and Gaza and right, right, right. Right, all that. And in, in the U.S., it's, it's the, exactly what you just said. Uh, e, like Sammy or Mikey or Joey or whatever. Um, yep. But even like off that, like uh, I was roommates with uh, Nasty Nate. Like we called him Nasty Nate because the name is Nate. I mean, that's why he gets the nasty part, right? So, you know, I, I'm, I'm putting those all together. And they're not great nicknames. Keevan, you got a nickname? You, nothing are you giving, nothing amazing. I know you're a coach. Are you giving nicknames to your players? Like really good, uh, like take-home nicknames? No, not really. I mean, there was one time where I added an E to the end of, and this was someone I played with. I added an E, and it totally backfired, where he like turned around. I was like, his name is Pat. And like, I don't know, I played a bad ball or something. This was like over 30s now. I was like, oh, Patty, you got to get to that. Like it was, I played a bad ball, and you know, you like, uh, un like uh, unleash the hitch or whatever, you know, you got to, got to run faster. And I, I don't know why, but I said, Patty. And then like a couple of plays later, he was like, yeah, don't call me Patty again. <laughs> <laughs> we were like comfortable. Like I've known, I coach with him and like, I know him long enough, like long enough where he was just like, yeah, that's, that's weird. Don't do that. I'm, I'm not, uh, yeah. Don't I, like that. I have the same disease. I Keevan, you know, I was like, Keevan and I grew up together and I wonder if I got this disease from him or he got it from me. But, uh, I do that same thing on, on, a, on any sports field. I knew this kid guy in, um, Philadelphia for years before I played soccer with him. Like we just happened to play in different leagues and whatever. And our, it, we knew each other because our wives were friends. And so we'd see each other at double dates and out drinking all the time. Call this guy, Jordan for years. I play soccer with him instantly. First game, Jordy, 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 Jordy. Every, every, and he's just like, don't know where that came from, bro. It's fine. Like other people call me Jordy. No problem. But I was just like, yeah, I, I don't know. But when you're on a soccer field, you just morphed for me. You're more, just, loose. you're more loose during a game. Yeah. You know? I couldn't help it. I couldn't help you it. You got to let it flow. It's when you're on the pitch, bruv. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I the only good one. Coaching is uh, that's, that's, a, that's a slippery slope. I mean, I think the closest I won yeah. I had, uh, his name was Jack. And he was like, you know, he's a good leader kind of thing. So, uh, I made him my captain, so I always called him Captain Jack, like Captain Jack Sparrow. I guess that's kind of a nickname. That's good. That's, that's good. pretty good. Yeah. 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 Uh, the one in this category of, like Goose, where it's like the name does not relate to your name at all, that I used for a long time with a, a guy I played with, 
is a great friend of this podcast, and that's Beefy. Beefy, his first name, his, his real name is Tyler, and he came on to an indoor team, I believe at the same time as another Tyler, and uh, you know, we just knew we couldn't have two Tylers on the team of seven guys, and they were both kind of new guys, and Beefy is a very uh, jovial character, a very funny man, and uh, he, we, we were talking shit before a game, and he was talking shit about how good he is at FIFA and said, yeah, look me up, play me. My gamer tag is Beefy6. And we were like, you gave yourself the gamer tag or the nickname Beefy? Beefy? And he's like, he's a thicker man. Uh, I often compare him to Luke Shaw. He's a left, really good passing left back, but just like a big body dude. Solid. And, uh, Solid. But I just love that he gave himself the name Beefy. But then literally, that was like the second time I ever met him, called him Beefy the rest of the time I, knew, you know, hung out with him for the next five years, still do call him Beefy. Uh, my wife calls him Beefy. Cliff, super producer Cliff, calls him Beefy. Cliff's wife or partner calls him Beefy. Like, the, all these people who get introduced to him from me now call him Beefy. And, his, and when I do that around, or new people do it around uh, Beefy's wife, she's like, what the fuck? Who, who is, <laughs> that is not your name. No one calls you that. But anyone who's now connected to me... Coming through, a, all knows him by this one name, which is really funny for me. That is excellent. Yeah, that's a good one. I thought of that one, too. Uh, man, I wish there were better nicknames. I, don't, I mean, yeah. 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 I, don't, I don't have much. I mean, that's my God, favorite one. Are we, if we want to go to, like, be, like, you know, some of our favorite players, I mean, the gods up good there, point. that's a pretty good one. Yeah. That's true. Icy Bacon. Icy Bacon, our, yeah, that's one we use yeah. on the thread. I don't know if. The people listening probably don't know that one. That's uh, Aaron Johansson because he looks like Kevin Bacon, but he's from Iceland, right? Explain. Pretty advanced. Yeah. Pretty advanced nicknaming there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure we got other ones like that that are just weird. Before we move uh, on, all right, I, moving I on. I want. I, before we move on, yeah. He shout out Highbury Pub. If you're ever in Milwaukee, good place to watch a game when all is back to normal. Just wanted to yeah. give a shout out. Thanks, Vincent. Great, great holler. Next time everything is back to normal, me and Keevan are meeting the Orozco's there for a beer. So uh, looking forward to it. Amazing. Now we get an email from another one of Milwaukee's finest, uh, Spencer J. Dixon. Uh, First of all, he apologizes for, you know, not having emailed in a long time. And which I love that our our listeners, I feel like they need to apologize for not emailing because... Uh, they know that they're so much a part of this, and if they don't email, they're they're laying the whole team down. Really, it's not it's not about them. It's it's about the team, and you're laying the team down if you don't email us, Spence. Um, he's he says I'm gonna lie and say it's because I haven't been invited on a single podcast yet. Uh, I've been in the running not only for most dedicated listener. I love that he has a, a top ten list of most dedicated listeners in his mind, and he's like, I'm sixth. I got to get up there. Got to be uh, in there. Uh, he says, I think I've heard them all at least once, but over the history of time, I've been shortlisted, most involved, emails, et cetera. Spence, we love you. We'd love to have you on. The reason we, we get Keevan to pinch it is because we know that he doesn't fuck up the audio. And even our own, like the real people who are supposed to be on this pod every week, fuck up the audio. And Keevan's reliability on audio is really his, his main quality. He's a utility podcaster. Yeah. This podcast could it could be about cars. We'd call Keevan. Yeah, it could be. I mean, anything. It's could just definitely utility. be about hair. Yeah. Any yeah any topic. I don't really like add a whole lot. You know, I'm just there for the ride. But I have good <laughs> audio, so it works. 
He's replacement level, you know? That's all we need. <laughs> he's minor league at everything. Uh, he says, I'm going to go back a few podcasts. I'm just, this one, I'm not even going to ask any question. I'm just going to, because I would ask the question myself. But uh, the guy, he, he wants to talk about men's league player types. He says, the guy who was a solid player in his prime, but is there for the social aspect and loves playing indoor goalie, doesn't take it too seriously unless he gets heated. And then all of a sudden he's competitive and, and he goes all out. Uh, he just that's Spencer just describing himself, a hundred percent. Spencer describes. Does he himself. play indoor goalie? Yeah, he is not a goalie, but he will play indoor goalie because he feels like it's a big role on the team. He doesn't have to sub out or anything. Do I you, mean, that's true. A very important role. This, yeah. yeah, and what, he can dribble out of the back. He, that's what I was going to say. What's the name of the goalie that tries to dribble the whole field? Yeah, I once mean, a game though, just once a game. Yeah, There's, it's uh, that guy. Spencer will yeah. do it a couple times. <laughs> Spencer will play indoor goalie like um, the way you use a FIFA goalie if you're playing against like really bad like you're playing against your sister in FIFA you're like mm, let me just put this down and see if I can make it all the way to the other goal like that is what's how Spencer's playing indoor goalie 100% or he's trying to like ping a pass the entire length of the field or something like that for sure um which I just love. There, I mean, I would love. To I feel like there's a slight right variation on this player who is like a very good player, but now just sits and basically plays like a Pirlo role where, you know, you just always have the, the out valve. Yeah. Right? He you wants to play that from goalie. Hit the in indoor. It is right. Yeah. You just play the ball to him. He plays it out the other side. He'll find a pass. Yep. He'll hit the long ball. Like this is a, a great player to have on your team in men's league. Oh, I for sure. It. And he wants, he will play goalie. I, I'm, I'm with it. He'll, uh, let him, he'll let him like a soft goal every once in a while, but then that one <laughs> magic ping, like forty yard, just yeah. uh, just under the three lines. I don't know if you guys have three lines in any oh, yeah. of your place, yep. but yep. just that magic ball makes up for it. Yeah, just and, maybe bounces off the wall at the line. It's just a perfect ball. Oh yeah, and you know that, uh, you know, men's league indoor goalie. You're like, oh, that was a soft goal. You look at each other. No one wants to take the gloves from him. No one, you know. Right. You're like, who's going to complain? Fine. Which yeah, of us? Fine. Cool. Keep it up, Spencer. You're doing great back there. Um, he says on Pulisic, we were just touching on Pulisic. He says Mike's take was so, so bad. Uh, I think there's a time where he needs to go somewhere else and score like 10 girls a year, and that would be good. Uh, he basically did that at Chelsea. You know, he just doesn't appreciate this COVID take. But That's actually why Mike isn't here. Yeah, he couldn't we face we the kicked heat. him off. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he couldn't, face the, he couldn't face the, the uh, criticism from, that he knew he'd get. <laughs> On that he, one. he saw this email come in and he was like, I can't read that email. Yeah, the he, emails are my section. He listened I can't. back to his own, take, his own take on the podcast this week and was like, oh, uh, I'm unavailable. Um, Keevan, are you worried? Spencer brings up a good point in his point number two here. Are you worried about the mental state of Christian Pulisic? Uh, I mean, as a player, I think he's, we've seen enough of him to, to say, okay, when he's healthy and everything, you know, obviously he's a very skilled player. He can play at a very high level. But are you worried about his mentality? Spencer thinks he's too fragile. Does he get a minor injury and say he can't play? Does he lack that hardcore drive to be like the best that, you know, quite frankly, separates the, the people with a lot of talent who are pros from the people who are remembered as the greats of the game, which obviously we think Pulisic has to be, has the potential to be at least on the U S men's national team level. Uh, that, yeah, this, this question got me thinking in that, I mean, I, who am I to, to challenge the God's, uh, you know, mental strength. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like a lot of his injuries 
are like, you know, the soft tissue, the ones that are hard to come back on. And this also got me thinking is an, another reason maybe why like Chelsea isn't the best spot for him right now. It's like, and I have, no, again, this is, you know, all this, I have no factual backup, but like, is he rushing to, to get back podcast. on, you know, cause he like, if, if he's out for an extended time, which is obviously just happened out for an extended time with an injury, he hasn't gained his, his spot back. So like, does that mean in, in the past he is rushing back from these injuries? He gets hurt all over again. And just because he's, uh, wants to battle for a spot. And I think Spencer touches on this later in the email, but like, if it would be awesome to see if Pulisic was like at a West Ham or like a Leicester or where he's like that top uh, like one through three guys that they look, they look to where like he doesn't, I mean, even like, uh, this is not the best example, but like Jack Grealish for Villa, right? Okay. He's, he's hurt, but like, and he's, he's been out for a long time. They're not rushing him back in. I mean, they are having trouble um, right now, but like in the, where they are in the league, they're fine. But like when he comes back, his, his spot is like guaranteed. Yeah. Where at Chelsea, Pulisic doesn't have that like uh, that convenience, yeah, but, I guess. Right. The opposite, uh, the the flip side of that coin is like we've had guys in that situation before, um, on a U.S. level, and, and you know that would certainly be the case for a lot of our U.S. players in MLS. Uh, but you'd say, look, that's not great for their development because it's better to be pushed week in week out by your teammates to be the best player you can be because you know you need to lift your game. Otherwise, you're not going to get to play, right? Um, especially as a young player, right? Like, you don't want to be the best, right? I mean, uh, you, you know, whether it's because of the competition of your league or, or the, just the team you're on, you, you want to be around players who are better than you because that's going to make you better. Um, I see your point, though. I don't really buy it, honestly, that his, he's, like, fragile or, like, I mean, maybe his hamstrings seem to be fragile for sure. But, like, he's, like, mentally fragile. I don't think there's necessarily evidence for this. I do think he's maybe mentally immature um, and that he could like just, you know, I'm not saying that's like he's out of line for being that he's in his early twenties, but like, will he get older and better at telling the trainer, the physio or the, or the, um, the coach? Yeah, I need another week or, you know, probably like, you know, he'll become a more mature player. Sure. Um, Or does he, you know, at some point mature a little bit and, and, maybe take care of his body better. I think we've talked about this a little bit before, but, you know, do those kind of things, extra kind of things? Uh, yeah, probably. Um, is he a finished product of what he'll be when he's 28? No, of course not. But I don't think there's, like, some kind of red flags where it's like, oh, this is, is going to be his story is, is that he's mentally fragile. Yeah, I mean, because, yeah, what I was trying to get, I think it's just more of, like, I think the environment has kind of shaped that narrative, if you will. That's what I yeah. was trying to get at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also just don't, think like when I think of Pulisic his mentality I mean he's been in Europe I, I guess his dad lived in Europe for a while with him when he was a teenager but like it doesn't seem like his willingness to sacrifice to be the, the best is lacking um I'm much more worried about his his physical uh toughness right because he gets all these injuries right so like at some point I, I maybe you know i don't know does data show that the idea of being injury prone doesn't exist but like that narrative at least around him i think is there he does seem to be out with these muscle injuries he does seem to like you know when he's healthy he's great but he's not healthy that often i'm much more worried about that than about his mental state um and maybe that catches up to his mental state eventually like that must be very frustrating but um, 
it, it doesn't seem my greatest fear is not that he like lacks the competitiveness. It's, it's that he lacks the ability to stay healthy at some, at some level those are intertwined maybe, yeah. but, uh, yeah. It's more of a physical than a mental thing that I'm worried about with him. Completely agree. Completely agree. Um, all right. So now he's uh, taking us on a different direction here because he wants to follow up to a Raymond email. Uh, he says, this is about when we were talking about uh, athletes and why are they not more political and, and what athletes do you know who are political and, and that kind of stuff. He says, every single professional athlete now does more community service, starts foundations, involvements in charities than ever before. Uh that might be true, might not be true. I don't know, but yeah, I get your point. It's just standard with those high-profile leagues. He knows, you know, all the pro athletes in his local area uh, were always involved in those communities, and maybe it's partially by requirement. Dan, do you think this counts as being politically active or as like socially responsible? The kind of like, you know, whatever it is, Tiger Woods. I don't even know if this is really what his foundation is called, but like the Tiger Woods Foundation, and they have a Tiger Woods golf tournament, and and uh, you know, everyone's got a foundation, kind of lifestyle of anybody who makes more than a couple million bucks a year. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it counts. I don't, it kind of seems like the minimum now, like everyone has a foundation and that doesn't mean they're dumping their own money into it. It just means that they have a platform to fundraise. So it's not exactly like they're doing a lot and then they pay somebody to manage it or whatever. Right. And it looks good for them, but I mean, it's good. I, I wouldn't want them to not be doing that, I suppose, right? Like, J.J. Watt raised millions and millions and millions of dollars for the people of Houston when they got totally screwed by the hurricane or whatever it was, right? Like, that's great, and that's great. I think what we would really love to see is just more of them actually using that platform, not just to do, like, really obvious kind of fundraising and, like, natural disaster relief or whatever, but, like to make statements about um, justice and equality and equity and um, to, to help push the, what is the, the quote, right? The, um, the long arc, the trajectory of justice bends towards uh, truth. Yeah. What You know what I'm talking about. I right? know what but you're like, talking about, but you've skewered it now so badly that I can't think of so the real bad. thing. Yeah, exactly. It's so poorly skewered, badly skewered. <laughs> um, so like, the that's all good. The arc of the, of the universe is... Long, but, bends it, towards but it bends towards Yeah, now I yeah, quit there it. it is. I it's, almost yeah. had it. Damn it. Uh, so that's what we want, right? Is to like go above and beyond like being able to raise some funds by by calling the people that love the Packers. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like Yeah. But I'm I'm not upset at that. That's fine. That's fine. We'll take that. But also like you know, like Aaron Rodgers is giving millions of dollars to the the uh small businesses in Northern Chico, California, California yeah. that have been affected by all sorts of stuff recently. Like that's, that's great. And I don't know how much of that is his own money, but like I would love if Aaron Rodgers came out and also like vocally supported black lives matter. I don't, maybe he has, but he's not doing it in a way that shows up on my Instagram. Like the fact that he's, you know, yeah, pairing yeah, yeah. up with bar stool, yeah. which is not that good a look. <laughs> so, uh, you know, like it's, I don't know. I'm always allowed to want more of the people that I'm fans of. Sure, like, sure. I'm not saying they have to do it, but I'm allowed to wish that they were raging socialists. And, and, and I think you mentioning Instagram kind of goes into why the, like, I'm not saying, but a lot of reasons why foundations and whatnot are being started just because there is more, there's more of a microscope on, on um, athletes and, and the um, decisions that they make. So I'm, I'm viewing that as a positive, right? I mean, 
more money they can they can get donated and if the foundation is actually uh getting results then hey why not yeah i would say that's the so for me it's a question of you know i, I would challenge dan your your first uh assumption which is that everything that these foundations do is positive i mean i think that in a lot of cases that is true um it's i think it's pretty hard for us to know which ones are and which ones aren't but just because they're nonprofit foundations set up by a famous person, you know, they can also serve as a vehicle to fundraise money or put their own money into and just be a way to be tax advantaged and pay your friends. Right. So I'm not saying that uh, any of the names we've mentioned are using it that way, uh, but it definitely happens. Right. Like it's just a known fact that it will happen. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's probably net positive, but. Um, the, I, you know, I wouldn't say like, just because, a, a just because every athlete has one now or something like that, that means they're all, uh, positively affecting the world through their actions in, through their foundations. So. And I love to see the athletes out in the community. Like, I think that's also very important, right? That they're not just like hanging out in their big houses all day. Like they're out Super. there, they're shooting yeah. hoops with kids at the high school. They're like, I know Dame Lillard does a lot of this kind of stuff. Like, he may be above and beyond what a lot of people are doing, but that is, that is important. Even, I mean, financial and, and using your voice for political reasons is good, but also like being a member of the community is also like, I give a lot of credit for that. That shows you really give a shit, right? Like, yep. yeah, I mean, how much is those guys time worth, right? Like, and they, that's how they spend it. That, that really shows commitment. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Um, why do we expect more from athletes uh, rather than um, wealthy people or owners, CEOs? Um, I think the answer to this is pretty straightforward for me. It's because of the visibility, right? Like nobody knows who the CEO of, um, I'm just going to say, Spence, you and I worked at a factory together in high school. That, that factory is called Visa Lighting. They had a CEO who made, I'm sure, a ton of money. Do you or I know his name? No, we don't know his name. He's a rich guy CEO. But like if he's on Instagram, does Dan care? Like, no, uh, whatever. Dan's trying to figure it out now, but the company's probably been sold. Uh, but whatever, like, this is my point. No one, the, that guy is not influencing anybody. He is not an Instagram influencer. He is not a social media influencer. No one gives a shit what he thinks. Well, he just can use his money to sway people, and I'm sure he does that. But, uh, uh, you know, these athletes have massive uh, cultural reach and, and that kind of thing. So when Dame Lillard goes to a school, like every kid listens to him. If this guy goes to a school, no one gives a shit. He's just somebody's dad. Right. So I, I think that's the difference for me. I'm seeing where Spencer's, I think this is what he's trying to get to. in the question is like, why don't we see him? Like, I mean, Mark Cuban is an example of like an owner that can, that has like used his money and his platform as like the owner of, uh, of the Mavericks to like take a stand and, and, um, you know, try to try, try yeah. and at least in, in his eyes, like help the world and like help things out. So I don't know. I just, th- I think maybe that's what his question is trying to get to. Like, why don't we see it more often? Yeah. Um, no. Where like, if they like, why aren't they using their platform or, I mean, I, I've obviously you, like you, you said athletes are much more visible, but it's not difficult for CEO, CEOs to step out of that, like behind the curtain if they want to. I agree. And, and, and especially owners of teams, right? Like, uh, you know, that it's a lot more high profile to own a, a sports franchise than it is to own a industrial lighting company. Right. So, uh, you know, I, I think that you make a good point there that 
sports team owners absolutely have that platform and the vast majority of them, uh, you know, don't, for the most part, don't make political statements. And if they do, they're probably not with us. So, uh, yeah. And honestly, Mark Cuban is one of the few that, uh, sometimes is, is on, is on our team. So, um, uh, yeah, certainly, certainly I think that it's, uh, we wish it was true just as much, but it feels like it's less likely to happen basically is my feeling on that to yeah. get like owners on board with speaking that, out about social issues, yeah. being that positive game, change. That game that Dan played, I don't know, last week or two weeks ago where you name a, a owner and, and you guess what's, what side yeah, of the, yeah. Play, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think we yeah, all right. know the yeah. answer to every one of those. <laughs> yeah. Every single <laughs> yeah. one, every single one. Yeah. Um, um, Viso Lighting does have a thing on their website about uh, social equity. They are dedicated to it. They are dedicated to it. Do they have a thing Cannot, about um, the fact that Colin Smith and Spencer Dixon used to work there? Like a, I'm I'm scrolling through their press releases. I don't I don't see any press releases uh, giving their support for any social equity you know movements. Although there is a section on their website that claims that they are, I also do not see any press releases about uh, Colin Smith or Spencer Dixon. So mm. hard to say. Yeah, the, the timeline on on their like uh, company history is just blank from there. You know, they just erased <laughs> all of that. Just that that year, those years, they just erased, never existed. Viso Lighting goes into an interview and they have to be like, "What happened in two thousand two and two thousand three? And they're like, mm. "We don't talk about this. We don't talk about the guys who worked in final assembly and inventory those years." Um, I'll tell you what. These lighting solutions do look wonderful, though. Whoever's putting yeah. together this website, like, really, they deserve a raise. Excellent website. No, it's really uh, high-quality industrial lighting, I will say. It looks great. It's stuff that I was putting it together, and I was like, couldn't afford it. Um, good stuff. All right. Uh, that's all I got. Uh, I'm going to skip the, the the last part here that's on uh, his uh, his opinions on whether... Uh, you know, your talent is sealed at what age and, and things like that. I, mean, I think that he, he's basically right for the most part. Keevan, is there anything else you want to say about this massive email from your realtor? I love Spencer. I don't want to expect too. anything less than a nice essay on a uh, Sunday morning to really, you know, settle into the couch and get ready to watch soccer and read some of Spencer's, uh, Spencer's thoughts on it all. So keep them coming, Spence. I, Beautiful stuff. I mean, he, again, he CCs me on every one, and I, tr- I try to CC him on all mine to him. So it's a nice, beautiful relationship we have there. Yeah. I mean, the best thing for me about this email is that as a realtor, he is on his hustle. He includes, Dan, you're a Madison guy. If you know anybody in the area that wants to cash out on this hot real estate market, let me know. It's yeah. all, so good. I'll always about who you grind. know, baby. It's about who you know. That's right. And I know That's Spencer. Right. all right that's it for emails this week uh i did we did get a tweet that i'm gonna bring up later but uh that's it for emails soccerthread at gmail.com uh we'll catch you next week that's it holy moly that caught me off guard um so i think the 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 big thing i've been interested in this week i mean there's there's been some stuff we'll get to it but um, the thing of most import has been the CONCACAF Olympic qualifying tournament that's going on. This is a U23 tournament uh, that FIFA does not mandate clubs release their players to. So it's a little bit goofy. The roster is a little bit funny. Um, 
But the USA is playing for their spot in the Olympics this summer. Uh, they aren't, oh, I don't even remember who's on their group. Kevin, you might have to help us out. This is exactly the type of thing we bring you in for. Uh, oh, Costa Rica, yeah. Dominican Republic. And Mexico. And Mexico. And Mexico. That's it. Okay. Um, do you have any idea how these groups are being put together? It seems like for the U.S. and Mexico to end up in the same group is, a, uh, is difficult. I think that's, I think that's good, though, because you just have to reach the final. And it's top two from each team. So we know we're going to avoid them in the next uh, elimination in round. In the semi. Yeah. It's like there's, it makes it so there's no way we could screw ourselves over with an elimination game against Mexico. By getting second in our group and they exactly. get first in theirs. Because we then, would. If, yeah. or, the, or if we got first, they'd get second. And we'd be like, God damn it. So, yeah, I've, before we get too deep into this, uh, so I wa- I've watched a little bit of this. And boy, do I not miss CONCACAF soccer. <laughs> it's just come on oh man so I, I mean it's been a long time since i've watched like meaningful Concacaf soccer so i maybe i just like forgot what it is but just 11 people behind the ball a little bit of messiness you know yeah just, yeah yeah it's oh it's usa always has kind of trouble in the beginning like kind of figuring it out but um i mean I've seen it where they'd never figure it out. But again, yep. just uh, from going to uh, like regularly watching Premier League or like Champions League, and then all of a sudden dipping into CONCACAF uh, brings back good times. It shows things are, 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 are starting to get back to normal. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> not, not just CONCACAF even, U23 CONCACAF. Like, yeah, it's true. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, does, it also is like a little bit of the, um, you know, watching Everton and Man City that, this weekend also you're like, oh, Everton are not very ambitious in, in this game and, uh, you know, maybe outmatched. I mean, I would definitely say outmatched as an Everton fan. Uh, but there is nothing like the lack of ambition and being outmatched uh, in, than you're going to see in CONCACAF. Um, like, you're just in the international game, especially in a qualifying tournament, you're going to see teams that are, uh, you know, have greater disparities in talent than Man City and Everton. And, and so then you know, the, the dynamic there is going to be even different, even more separated. Uh, even though this team, like, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to come off as criticizing uh, the Dominican Republic because, like, that's how you get a result. And, like, teams absolutely get results against uh, big teams in CONCACAF that way. So it's not to say that they're doing anything wrong or they don't stand a chance, but it's just, like, the talent level there is, is miles apart, and, and that's how you get a result. So in the... Actually, have we talked about this roster at all? I don't remember. If we d- did, it was so. like weeks and weeks ago. So it's a U23 roster. We have a, t- like, basically our f- full national team is U23 eligible. So we have the potential to be amazing at the Olympics. Um, you know, I mean, list a dude that you're excited about. They're all U23, right? Except John Brooks is maybe like... And Zach Steffen, Zach Steffen maybe yeah. are like the only two full national team starters that might not be U23 eligible. Uh, but again, FIFA did not mandate that players are released for this tournament. So we're running out guys that are in MLS preseason, basically, right? We don't have Pulisic there. We don't have Weston McKinney there. We don't have Serginho Des there, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it's a bit funny. Uh, Kevin, do you have any thoughts about like roster or just the way this sets up for us before we get into the specific results? I mean, if you want me to, like, throw out some specific names, uh, I mean, it's it's great to see, like, Sam Vines out there. I mean, I think he's he's one of those, like, 
I mean, there are definitely players in this pool where they are they can have like a direct role with qualifying coming up pretty pretty soon here for the World Cup. So that that part of it is exciting. Like Jackson Newell in there. I think even Sebastian Soto. Like I mean, just having an option options. I don't think they're going to play like direct roles, but I mean they're going to be called in the camp. They could be some some training players that that help things out. Just going through. I mean, this is going to st- sound like kind of stereotypical, but like just going through a um, like qualification type tournament is is it's good experience for them. Uh, one thing that I've been I don't it, pretty impressed about is that the U and granted I've only watched like one and a half games of these U twenty three team, but they're attempting to play the same style as the as the men's team, which is really kind of cool. Um, like you know going running things through the through the uh, alley through the alleys on the side of the, of the field trying to build out of the back kind of that same like mentality of, of of what the men's national team and that Berhalter is trying to like get that message across and Christ is doing a good job with this team again I've only seen a game and a half and they're against two lower CONCACAF teams um, so it'll be interesting to see what they can do in Mexico I think that's like Wednesday or Thursday or Tuesday Wednesday or Thursday coming up here but uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited, and maybe it's just because we haven't gotten national team uh, soccer in quite yeah. some time. Uh, but like, just the fact that our pool is so deep, and like, I'm actually like excited for a U23 national team, and I actually there's like players that um, I've seen play on a regular basis, and like their household names is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the first game was billed kind of as the make-or-break game for the U.S. in their group. Um, the way it sets up, Dominican Republic, who was in the group, not very good. You you kind of you pencil in three points there. Mexico, you don't – I mean, you'd love to get a result against Mexico, but if you're, if you're planning things, you don't assume any points there. And that leaves the other game in the group, which was the first game, is Costa Rica, where if you can get three points, you set yourself up really well to make – top two in the group right so the usa goes and uh and beats costa rica 1-0 big result keevan sounds like you watched some of this game most of this game maybe um my impression from the highlights was that both teams actually either tried to play out of the back and had the ball at their center backs feet a lot or both teams pressed in such a way that forced each other to have the ball at their center backs feet a lot and that was a kind of a problem for both teams is that the way you saw it set up yeah i'd say it's more of the the second one where um i think it just yeah the the pressing and trying to uh take advantage of, of a mistake on uh, i think even you just, you kind of see that more in the youth and i know both teams are trying to build out of the back but just trying to exploit mis- mistakes are a, a bigger tactic <laughs> if you, you you've got a center back that's not good with his feet so you just <laughs> yeah. like Get yes. the ball to him and then chase him down. Yeah, you press that. And and I mentioned this earlier, but like the fact that they're really trying to like push it forward through the like using the width and the like the, the wingers is something that's I mean, we haven't seen in a while. Usually like usually it's force it up to Joe to Josie and see what he can do or you know, but just like getting wingers involved and especially because that's our strength, like as a team with, with mm-hmm. Gio Reyna and, and Kristen Pulsick and like using that and I mean, I, Palmer isn't here. He's not going to ha- be happy. I'm giving Burhalter some uh, some credit, or even Christ if he's doing it. But like, if they if they can keep that up, I mean, the fact that they're like at, at least trying to have some sort of like identity and it's kind of working so far. Gra- granted, 
we haven't seen them like have a real challenge quite yet. I mean, maybe I guess the Wales game was was it, but like just that they're using like the U twenty three and the national team like together, and like all right, we're gonna try to have this identity and we're gonna instill it in the young kids. Is pretty. It's like I don't know. I I was impressed from the first couple games I've seen here. Yeah, I think this sounds like me as an Everton fan, just being like, I don't know, it's just nice to have a plan. Like, sometimes the plan isn't working or whatever, or you have a certain guy who can't, uh, you know, carry it out, and you're going to need to figure out a solution for that center back. Like, that guy's maybe not going to be a, a center back in this kind of system because we're going to ask too much of him, but uh, we have a plan that seems to make sense, given our talent. Uh, doesn't seem like the stupidest thing in the world. We're not doing crazy stuff like playing players way out of position or uh, things like that, or just, you know, the alternative is like the, whatever, Harry Redknapp, like just roll out the ball thing. Uh, you know, we got a plan. Okay. I don't know if it's the best one, but like, shit, like that's good enough for me as a fan. There's a pattern of play. You can see how they're trying to play. Yeah, It's not a total, uh, it's, it's not, not a, a shit show. There. So, okay. All right. Yeah. Um, so I think this Costa Rica match, 1-0 in the end, got those three points that set us up really nicely. Um, probably could have gone either way. There were, like, some really bad giveaways both ways. The goalkeeper in that game... Ochoa. Ochoa came up big, had nine saves, I think, which is a lot. None of them, like, um, standing on his head saves. Uh, but, like... But a lot of, like, breakaway, like, coming out, cutting down yeah. the angle, making sure he's big. yeah. Like one really good one of those, one really good one on one. But, and I, I would just say that he was expected to be the number two going into this camp um, and won the job in camp, uh, which like makes sense. Like, I don't know. That's why there's a camp. Right. But like, uh, I think that's pretty interesting to say, okay, from our young keepers, we have a guy who's maybe overperforming or outperforming expectations uh, and then backs it up in the game. Uh, I think that's a really good sign. He's, He's, uh, I can't remember where he plays, Colorado maybe? No, Real Salt Lake. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's just great to have another, you know, a young American keeper who, um, you know, looks like he'll be on an upward trajectory. Not good enough, obviously, to get the start in the second game, it turns out. Marzinkowski yeah. comes in in the second That's game. That's supposed to be the starter, right? So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dominican Republic, this is the one where you pencil in your three points. They're not very good. Uh, Keevan, I know you watched this one today. I checked at halftime. You texted to see if anyone was watching. Uh, Nil-nil, like, not deep into the second half, but, like, 56th minute or something like that, I think, is when you texted. It did not make me very comfortable, but uh, turned out okay? Yeah, so this is where I got by uh, nostalgic CONCACAFI feels, was watching that first <laughs> half. Uh, got in your feels. And so that's why I can't be, like, all positive right now, just because... I mean, Dominican Republic, they came, they came into that first half with a plan, and it was working. You know, I mean, U.S. got plenty of opportunities. They weren't finishing them, but, and they just couldn't put the game away. Um, and then, I guess, yeah, 66, they turned that corner. But that's, that first half is what scares me a little bit, where, I mean, once we go up against a quality team, the U.S. has done this to us numerous times in the past, got a little bit of string and some good results, and then it just takes one game to completely undo it, which is part of qualification system. And that's something that the U.S. has had issues getting over that hump. So uh, that's what scares me. That second half is what scares me is the teams are going to set up like that. Um, 
I mean, if, if in Mexico has talent, I mean, even a, a Canadian team has talent. Um, if they set up like that and just the ball runs rolls their way, we're out. Of, we're out in the quarterfinals, and what do you know? We don't we don't qualify for Olympics, and the entire tournament is a failure. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's scary. It's a weird thing, right? Where we can we can uh, win our first two games, one zero, four zero. We're playing Mexico next. You've got to figure that. It's very likely we lose that game. And then uh, we'll play either, uh, was it Canada or Honduras in the next round, probably. And that's a one-off game for going to the Olympics. And, you know, exactly what you're saying, like either Canada or Honduras, you can definitely imagine uh, beating us, right? And, and beating us exactly in the way that we showed is, is, is kind of tough for us or, you know. Maybe it's tough for every team, right? Like if you set up that way, but uh, like it's just like you know you can have the We've first. We've seen it so many times. That's yeah, you've seen it so many times, and you can have the first two results be so good, and it still doesn't give you much confidence for the for what's coming, right? Like there's still this hurdle that's always going to be tough to win a one-off game in Concacaf, uh, and it, it's coming. It's just you're going to have to win this one-off game in Concacaf, and. We can lose those. We can lose but those with the best. To of give them. them to give them credit, it it was working until the sixty sixth minute, and then the blink of an eye, it's four zero. So yeah, maybe they turn that maybe that turned that page. So I'm not going to be too negative. Oh, we'd it. have to be the favorites in a game versus Honduras or Canada. Oh, but yeah, oh, for sure. You know. So we're on six points in the group. We've got Mexico coming up. I didn't check how they've been doing, but um. I guess I would assume that it sets up that if we get a result, we would be top of the group. If we lose, we'd be second. Either way, we're through. Um, so that's all good. And then the way that the qualifying works is you need to win in the semifinal to qualify. And the, the final is actually pretty meaningless. It's the semifinal that you have to win to get to the Olympics. And then who cares who wins the CONCACAF tournament? Like, getting to the Olympics is the point here. Um, so... Uh, you know, like you guys said, we're there, we're on pace, we look to be in good shape, but you still got to win this one-off game. So it's uh, squeaky bum time all the way around. Hopefully Christ is seeing some guys, figuring out how to play it. He's obviously rotating his goalkeepers um, for what or what that does not mean. Um, hopefully at least it, it, it means he's trying some stuff, getting some ideas, figuring out how to win a one-off game. Um, we'll see, we'll see. But sure would be fun to be in the Olympics, because for that, you do get Weston McKinney, Kristen Pulisic, Tyler Adams. You get the whole crew. So that would be uh, a lot of fun. Absolutely. Um, in Olympic eligible player news, Serginho Dest, playing for Barcelona, obviously, uh, gets two goals this weekend for Barcelona, who are chasing top of the table Atletico Madrid uh, in a 6-1 win for Real Sociedad. Uh Turns out he got the game winner the 43rd minute. He gets the second goal uh, in the 53rd minute. He gets the third goal. And then after that, some guys just, you know, these type of players that just pile on when the game's already out of reach. Messi gets two. Usmani Dembele gets another one in the end. Who cares? Those third, those fourth, guys? fifth, sixth yeah. goals. Who cares? Serginho Dest, really the key player here, yes. obviously. Uh, <clears throat> so... Um, this is the first American player to ever score a brace in La Liga. Is that surprising to you, Colin? I mean, it's not entirely surprising to me uh, in that, like, I, if I'm, uh, 
thinking about past U.S. men's national team players who have played in Europe, they aren't in La Liga. Like a lot of guys, we've had guys in the Bundesliga. We've had guys in uh, the Premier League, of course. Not a ton in Syria. Not a ton in La Liga. Um, so in, in that sense, no, it's not surprising to me at all. But like, it is kind of perplexing to me why um, you do see a lot of Mexican players, Mexican national team players in La Liga, and you just don't see Americans. And, and you know, there's plenty of guys who are, you know, dual nationals or, or have Mexican heritage who play for the U.S. men's national team. Why aren't those guys playing in La Liga if it's some kind of cultural thing and, you know, maybe our whatever white bread Clint Dempsey, Clint Dempsey's from, from Texas actually and speaks Spanish, but, um, you know, I don't know. Brad Friedel, why is Brad Friedel playing in the Premier League and not La Liga? Okay, well, then maybe that makes sense. Like, maybe he's more comfortable in that environment. Is work permit anything? I have no clue. I, you know, I don't know, right? Is work permit different with La Liga versus Premier League? I guess I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, right? Maybe it's it's where the scouts come and and stuff like that. But, um, so it doesn't surprise me in that sense. But in another sense, it's like, yeah, we should have more guys in La Liga. It's obviously a great league. Probably the best league in the world most years, many years. Um, so it's, it's great to see him there, but, uh, yeah, it is a little, a little weird. Just like nobody's ever scored two goals in the league. Uh, it's it, a little it, weird. It gives me butterflies to see like him score. And then like Lionel Messi, the best player in the world, ever. like coming up and giving him a hug and like, even just like with McKenney and, and Bernardo. So, uh, it's yeah. Just... Yeah. A hundred, both of his goals, actually the celebrations, like Griezmann's right in there, you know, Messi's right in there. It's like, has not really I mean I don't watch up a lot of Barcelona or La Liga right but like watching the highlights of these goals it really sunk in you were like oh he's playing with these dudes like yeah it's weird top top level it, the thing it reminds me of personally is like if you had a, like a created player in, in FIFA or something like that <laughs> like a guy who you you know tweaked his stats and did the training shit and yeah. then you were like oh yeah now my guy's on Barcelona and you're like and he's playing with all these guys and you're like, yeah, but he's not a real player. Like, Sergio Destiny is, like, kind of not a real player. Like, he, he's, you know, we just made him it's in a lab. to see his name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he's been doing well, actually, at Barcelona. He's, like, um, starting at transfer markets got him at right mid, actually. Um, no. I don't know exactly no. what their system is, but that it's, seems... They play three in the back right sometimes, wing. so he plays... Like a yeah, wing I thought kind of he, a wing there was back. a little hiccup where he wasn't playing, but it, he's really... Uh, he was a little, a little, little hurt. Little pool yeah, of but now he's got a his little. spot back and scoring braces. So that's excellent. Um, so we've got an offensive defender scoring a brace in La Liga for Barcelona, the biggest team in the world. Keevan, is he your top American player right now? I, man. So if you're going like most important player, I, I don't think he's our top player. But I still got to give it to McKenney, just the way he can control midfield. And if he's, because I, I don't know, just like, and he's just so much fun to watch where like, yes, I mean, Dest is like, he controls that, that, uh, that side of the field and he runs up and down because that's what his role is. Where like, I feel like McKenney is like more of like a Swiss army where like you can, in the middle of the field, he he can win a ball for you. He can distribute for you. Where like Des kind of, I mean, I'm not taking anything away from him, but like you know, he he had his responsibilities up and down the field, get crosses in, and you know, um, get the ball forward and, and and run at people a little bit. Where like McKenney just like he can do it on both sides of the ball. 
So that's that 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 would be my number one is is McKenny. That does feel to me like if McKinney was out, that would make me very nervous about how we would set up. Whereas if Dest is out, you're like, all right, it's going to be a step down, but you can still plug and play. Um, and that might even be true for Pulisic. He's not going to like, I mean, he's probably the most skilled player on the team, right? But he's like, if he's out, you're not necessarily shifting the way the entire team is playing. But if McKenney's out, you might be doing that. Um, Tyler Adams, you might be doing that too. I don't know, Colin, do you think, um, I mean, where's Tyler Adams in that conversation? So honestly, this is, this is the surprising part for me is that, uh, and I'm sorry, Mike isn't on this podcast, but I would have a top, my top three does not include Tyler Adams and it does not include Christian Pulisic. Right now, my top three is Dest and McKenney at 1A and 1B. You pick them like week to week. And then I'm taking Gio Reyna third right now. He's the one who's on a team that's still in the Champions League. He's starting every week. He, start, he still starts for that team. Like, he hasn't lost his spot. He's been hurt, blah, blah, blah. But he stepped back into the team this weekend. Uh, I think Gio Reyna is playing as well as, as any of those guys. Like, for right now, right now. Like, I, obviously, he doesn't have the resume that Christian Pulisic has because he's younger. But for right now, right now, this week, I'll, I'll take Gio Reyna, man. Uh, Christian Pulisic is not doing anything when he's he's back and the, given these chances at Chelsea. I still think Christian Pulisic is a great player, and he's a hundred percent on the team sheet of U.S. Men's National Team. Maybe he's the first name. I don't know. Whatever. But uh, for me, he's not top three right now. And neither is Tyler Adams. Tyler Adams has been falling out of the starting lineup at RB Leipzig all the time. So it, I don't. I, I think that if you're picking those guys in your top three, it's just because you're remembering their past performances. You're remembering that Champions League goal from Tyler Adams last year. But right now, they're not on it. Oh, that's so, fine. Class is permanent, whatever. Form is temporary. But right now, they're not on it. Yeah, well, I, I don't know if this is cool to bring up another soccer podcast, but uh, Total Soccer <laughs> Show, uh, that's like basically how I get my Bundesliga news. And uh, they, they talk about Gio Reyna like, a lot, and even specifically... Uh, when Dortmund played Leipzig a few weeks ago, like that, Gio Reyna was like bossing Tyler Adams around the field, like physically, like going dribbling at him, and even just physically, like holding his own, winning balls out of the air, like taking it down, getting like holding on to it, getting rid of it, and then looking to make a run in behind and whatnot. And that, like, he outshone. And granted, this is a one-game example, but you know, just. To make Collins' argument stronger, because that's Thank what you. we're here Thank for. Thank you. Yep. Just like Mike, like would say, you know, I, I write emails for Colin, and we're we're one of the same people, <laughs> or whatever his theory is. But uh, yeah, just that. Yeah, I think I mean Reyna, and just the fact that like we're having having this conversation of like all these like world class players, and we have to. There's no obvious standout. Just make like again makes you so excited for when the yes, men's national team plays absolutely. real that's games. The real, that's, that's the real thing. That's true. Do you prefer the guy playing at uh, Juventus or Chelsea or Barcelona? Uh, who's insane. your number one? It's insane. It's wild. Think about like eight or whatever years ago, 10 years ago. How long is this ago? But like we got Timothy Chandler and he was playing at Eintracht Frankfurt. And we were like, dude, we might get th- this Timothy Chandler. Are you so excited about this right back who's playing in the Bundesliga? Like now who give who would give a fucking shit if we had a right back who's playing in the Bundesliga for a low team? We'd be like, I mean, I guess he can be Dest's backup. 
Where's Julian Devlin Green like Champions that? League. Yeah. Julian Green was at like Bayern 2 or something yeah. if we were excited. Yeah. But I mean, like, Yedlin is playing for uh, Galatasaray. And like, I mean, who gives a shit about Yedlin even, anymore? Like, yeah, he's playing at a team that makes a Champions League all the time. I mean, I don't know. He's really falling off, and who gives a shit about him? Like, it's crazy. It's crazy. Our bar, our bar is high. It's great. It's great. The other guy, we're flying so the close. Other guy, to the other I think I hate this. Too close. The to other the guy, sun. I think, could be in the <laughs> yeah, conversation. For sure. Uh, is uh, John Brooks, who sure. is starting, who I think could be very important for us. He's a little bit hot and cold. He's sometimes injured. Um, but man, when he's on his game, I think that helps the U.S. a lot. And I would put him in that conversation. Um, obviously starting lineup, so that immediately makes him top 10 field players. Um, maybe not quite top three, but I think he's right in there in terms of importance to the team. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, this like, is, definitely the yeah. best at his position. Hard to replace. For sure. And, man, remember, and there was also a time when like the, the best U.S. player was just always a goalie. Like, you know, Brad Fields, and he's the only player in the Premier League, so he's, he's yeah, yeah, actually yeah, yeah. our best player. For, like, 15 years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember, oh, yeah. this is Dan, you're like, we had uh, forever, we had uh, a gambling thing amongst just, like, the four of us where we're on a spreadsheet, and um, we'd always have one of the categories we picked at the beginning of the year be a number of uh, goals that Americans would score in the Premier League. And it was like, will Jeff Cameron score this year? Was really the question. And yeah. it was like, mm, it was somebody would put, you know, most people put zero, somebody would put a one in there and be like, I don't know, Jeff might score, or maybe somebody gets moved in January. That's pretty hopeful to put a one. Like, now, yep. fuck that, yeah. It's, it's a different world. Uh, that's your U.S. men's national team update. Uh, Olympic qualifying and, you know, a bunch of other U23s that are, uh, just amazing, but not playing in Olympic qualifying. So there you go. Um, in different news, Celtic and Rangers, uh, both, Keevan, I'm not actually familiar with the story, so you're going to have to help me out. I think this is your item. Uh, they're standing, ra- oh, it's Colin, standing rather than kneeling uh, before the game, still doing like the moment of silence, but just not kneeling. They're standing. Uh, what is that about? Like, I just don't know about this. Yeah, it's curious, right? It's like, it's this, this same thing as, um, tell me out, who's the Premier League player who did it a, a Zaha. week ago? Zaha. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. And uh, so it's the same thing, right? He's saying uh, the knee is, is no one, it, it has meaningless now because everyone does it all the time. You just, it's just five seconds at the beginning of the game that people just mentally tune out from and then you resume and, and who cares? Um so from that sense, it seems like, you know, okay, good. Like, we're talking about it. That's good. Um, it's just weird coming from Celtic and Rangers, honestly. Like, I, I don't know, like, if it's, like, the cultural thing of, like, me not getting that rivalry or whatever. But to me, that rivalry is, like, filled with violence and people, Protestants and Catholics, being mad at each other for being Protestant and Catholic. And, like, that's the same thing, right? If you're sectarian, like, like get over that. Right. And there's this, they wouldn't give them the honor guard this week because of their rivalry. And like, come on, that's rooted in that religious divide that you hold between these two clubs, but you're going to act like, I don't know. It just feels more like an acting thing to me uh, because of that, I guess. Um, But I guess this is driven by the players. So maybe I'm out of line here. Um, 
But anyway, this is all the background drop from all this, if people aren't informed, is that Glenn Kamara, a Rangers player this past week in the Europa League, was racially abused very clearly by a Slavia Prague player um, who called him a fucking monkey, I believe. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, if there was ever a time to stand up for your teammates um, you know, who are being abused, uh, this would be the week for Celtic and Rangers. So in that sense, I, maybe I want to give them the benefit of the doubt, right? Um, because they've been talking about this all week and, and they, pro- they thought about this clearly. Um, this wasn't like some kind of uh, gut reaction or something like that. Um, but it's just, it is weird to me, the whole like, now we're going to stand thing. I wish, we, I wish they could be doing something else. It, 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 it muddies the water be- between like, am I ignoring it? Or am I, uh, am I ignoring the issue by standing? Or am I trying to create more awareness for it? it? Like, it's not a good form of protest if it's a form of protest because of that. It's not clear what the message you're sending. The message, you should be clear about the message you're sending. The message is a little bit, like, maybe anti what kneeling stands for. Yeah. Instead of, like, it's mixing like, it up or, like, bringing more attention. Yeah. Like, it could be construed as being, like, we're actually against kneeling. Not a good look. Yeah. It's just, like, it, yeah, it's... It, which is, I mean, again, maybe it's just I'm wanting too much from the players, but and, and I don't have a better answer necessarily, but except like I don't know if they all linked arms and had took their had something under their shirts and put you know put the thing where you pull up your shirt and your undershirt says "Stop racist abuse." This is my teammate or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Come up with something yeah. good. Uh, yeah. So I, I'd like to see something like more coordinated, more like that. I mean, I love anything that's like actually stop the game, right? Like the, the first one second there is like, yeah, we're doing this as a way to not interfere with the game. But if you like interfere with the game, I think that's a really good way to, to uh, know that the papers will cover it. So I'd like to see something like that. But uh, again, just the, the midweek thing is just another reminder that this issue is not, uh, not over. Right. Like it's, yeah, it, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's real. Uh, it's not an American thing. Like, I think also when this started, maybe like it was kind of seen, especially from Europeans as like a, uh, we're doing this in solidarity with black lives matter, which is an American thing. Uh, right. And like police brutality in America, in America. And we're, we're being so, doing solidarity with that. But now it's like, you know, racism is real in Europe as well. It just, I, I understand that, you know, the context is different and, we had slavery and they didn't and, and you know, everything like that. But like your players are, there's still racism there. Right. Um, yeah. so there are still, uh, plenty of things that need to be kicked out of the game. Basically is what I'm saying. Uh, so it, yeah, interesting the way that they've decided to deal with it. Maybe not. I mean, I guess the thing is you would just hope that they're having conversations with Glenn Kamara or with their like, whoever the people are that are leading those conversations are well-informed and have good ideas and that they're like informed. And it's not just like as simple or basic as it appears to be for us. Um, but in the end, it's us that are the consumers of it. So uh, if it misses the point, that's, it's not great. Yeah. I mean, it could have all the perfect intent in the world, right? It could be, I, again, I don't know, but it could be Glenn Kamara who's led that and has been like, guys, please stand, and they all stand, and that's great. But, like, still for me, like, it's, 
it, like you're saying it misses the point, and and I'm I'm not sure what message I'm supposed to be receiving is. We we can do better than that. We can be more clear with our messaging. Yeah, well, I mean, they but they I just like that they an incident happened and and they come out together with like their rivals. Uh, I think that's that kind of the message. Like, okay, yes, this is a huge rivalry, but this incident that occurred in in the Rangers last game won't be tolerated by both Celtic and Rangers, and we're putting our rivalry aside because. Um, we want to stand and stand in honor in honor of Kamara or, or we stand with him. So I think uh, that's a good, and we're talking about it. So that's what it's about. So I think that's true. The that's message true. got across. Yeah. 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 I mean, somebody said, yeah. somebody said today, how do you feel like, or when this happened, the, the original incident happened, like, how do you feel? The, uh, how do you think the black players on Slavia Prague feel like their teammate yeah. is like, yeah. And then their ultra is coming back after it, like supporting this player who's clearly racially abusing his, his you know, the guy he's going against. I like shit. Like you signed a contract with this team just because you want to play a professional sport, and now you're all of a sudden part of this racist apparatus. Like, ugh, like fucking shit. So yeah, I mean, either way. It, so yeah, it's it doesn't from that perspective, it doesn't seem hard for Rangers and Celtic to put aside their, uh, you know, whatever rivalries the players might have. To, uh, to stand against that. Yeah, yeah. Um, other midweek stuff worth mentioning? It's not on the run order, and I was fairly checked out, so I don't have any... Uh, I can't send either of you on the, the path with a leading question. Uh, in terms of results or interesting things going on, amazing goals. I mean, Palmer's not here, so we won't bring up Spurs crashing out. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> There, there was a, there was a bit of a Spurs crashing out. That was the the tweet I wanted to get to. Uh, Raymond did tweet us this week about the fact that uh, you know Spurs crashing out. So, all right, if I'm going to put a little context on his tweet, but Spurs crashed out of of um, Europa in spectacular fashion, um, in like the most Spursy way possible, blowing the first leg lead and blah blah blah. It's just as you as you would expect in some ways. But the whole thing with Mourinho, right, was like he he might run you into the ground and play this awful football, but, like, you get an advantage in knockout competitions. He wins knockout competitions. That's what he does. And then that was, like, second leg of a knockout competition. Is like, should be Mourinho killing it off. Like, it should be his bread and butter. Set up to lock it down, too. Up two goals. Up two goals, yeah. Second leg. Park the bus. Park managers the bus. in park. prison. Did other teams' managers in prison? I mean, yeah. come on. <laughs> so, so good. Other teams' managers in prison, they have an interim manager. And, uh, you know, the, the team they're playing isn't like some kind of world beaters or something like that. It should be absolutely bread and butter, and they fuck it up. So that's, that's a bit of like this funny thing or, or like funny context on it, and that obviously has a lot of Spurs fans being like fire, even more fire Mourinho, even obviously Spurs. Uh, Palmer's already in, in that camp, certainly. Um, but then uh, Raymond came to us with the tweet saying, how are, the, how are Spurs going to fire Mourinho when he might have them finish above Liverpool this year? So I just had to say that because, you know, I wanted to piss Keevan off a little bit. But <laughs> Keevan, I, I, if, if Spurs finish above Liverpool, Klopp's not getting fired. How are they going to fire? Is the, are they really going to fire Mourinho if that happens? Or is that... Is that somehow somehow meaningful or like a jail out get get out of jail free card? I I, I appreciate you trying to push buttons, but <laughs> Mar- Mourinho wasn't hired to finish above Liverpool. He was hired to win trophies. Agree. So yeah, uh, and I mean, and 
I know you want to set me off on a rant, but I mean, when you win, you win Champions League and you win the league after 30 years, whatever. I think you can you can be spotted a season or two. Absolutely. Uh, so, I think. I mean, and I know you don't want to hear me blame it on injuries, and that's certainly not the whole issue. Um, I think it's just a bad year, and uh, you move on. But uh, I guess, I mean, I'm not the Spurs fan. I guess if they figure it's an accomplishment to finish above Liverpool, that that's that's congrats. just a credit to Liverpool, really. That like that you, you that's finishing above Liverpool is a is a trophy or whatever. Um, yeah. I mean, he might not get fired for finishing above Liverpool, but he might get fired for finishing below West Ham. So. <laughs> no, I think, honestly, I think it's, and I said this to Palmer, I think it's the Spurs-Arsenal thing. Like, if that's getting tight now. Uh, what's it now? Six points different? At some point, it was like 15 or something crazy um, apart. But uh, I think hard to fire a Spurs manager who's finishing above Arsenal. Um, not that it can't happen, but I don't know. That makes the assumption that Arsenal's a top four club and they're in ninth. Like I mean, I yeah, but finishing that above rivalry Arsenal's, is so strong. That rivalry. Yeah, that rivalry is just so strong. Like I can't imagine firing an Everton manager if we finish above Liverpool. I don't care if Liverpool finish fifteenth. Like we're good on thirteenth then. Like we're not firing. Like I mean, maybe that's that's we're less ambitious than Spurs. That's probably true, like payroll wise or whatever, but uh, I just, I'm, I'm not, again, I'm not saying it can't happen, but I think you just, you get a demerit instead of a firing. <laughs> Take a demerit. That's so funny. Uh, Kevin, now that I'm looking at the Premier League table, leads on 39 points. They are, they're safe. They're going to stay up. They're safe, baby. Man, expectations. I love them. the expectation was just to stay in the league and the fact that they've um, sealed this up and uh, I can just enjoy the the type of football that they play with a little little less nervousness of um, not going down is uh, is lovely now I just need him to get above 47 and a half points because that's what my uh, preseason wager is at so (laughs) that is that that better pay out nice because that is a lot of points uh, but I had one for them to stay up, so that that's good. Feel good about that. And then the other one, yeah, forty-seven and a half. But uh, yeah. they, they they look good to get there. They look okay they're to get there. They're on pace for it. Yeah, I don't know what their running looks like, but they're on pace for it. Uh, they have a so they have Sheffield, but then they have like it's like Man City, Chelsea, and Man United or something after that. So um, never, know. never know. Just get one of those. Just get one of those. Exactly. No, they're, but they're, just they're good for one. Thirty. <laughs> 39 I never thought I'd be like oh 39 points this is great like we could we could lose from here on out and I'm feeling awesome <laughs> yeah, that's awesome yeah where Palmer's stressing because they're in sixth sixth place so yeah absolutely the feel good, the feel good story low. of the year for us yeah 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 all right guys uh I think that's it for us we're uh clearly running out of stuff to say that was excellent Keevan thanks for stepping in Thanks for having uh, me. Appreciate it. A wonderful week on the Socket Thread podcast. Thanks, Cliff. Love you, Cliff. Apex, baby. <laughs> <laughs> we got a number one today, so feeling real good.
I love how Kevin has a pen in his hand, like he's about he's to. He's taking notes. Were you? <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, like, I like the idea that Kevin's not. He's not taking notes for his own. Uh, you know, like he's gonna give up, like uh, make a good point. He just wants to give us feedback afterwards. He's like, yeah. all right, Dan, you had a six and a half out of ten today. You were really good in the first half, but in the second half, you had some performances that really fell off. Yeah, that's the coaching mentality. I don't do yeah, exactly. I don't podcast my my like well myself, but the afterwards, I'll, I'm all for giving points. Yeah, yeah exactly. Down. Just taking notes for the email that he'll write us later about this podcast. <laughs> <laughs>